We continue the tafsir of Surah Al-Nazi'at and we are in verses 6 and 7. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَوْمَ تَرْجُفُ الرَّاجِفَةُ تَتْبَعُهَا الرَّادِفَةُ The day when the first blowing of the trumpet is blown, the day when the first blowing of the trumpet is blown, the earth and the mountains will shake violently. And Ar-Radifa, which is the second blowing of the trumpet, follows it. Follows it. A call for the Prophet here, for the Prophet wasallam, to remind the people about the day of resurrection. When the first and second blowing of the trumpet occur. Al-Hasan al-Basri, may Allah be pleased with him, Rahimahullah, one of the high ranking of the Tabi'een, those successors to the companions, who was born in Medina in the year 21st of Hijrah, and lived in Al-Basra in Iraq. He grew up under the care of Ali bin Abi Talib, may Allah be pleased with him, and became a leading scholar of Hadith, of Tafsir, and of jurisprudence of Fiqh. And he used, he used to visit the leaders and people of authority, calling on them to fear Allah and enjoin what is right and forbid what is wrong. And he was highly respected for uh, his advice. He, rahimahullah, died in the year of 100 of Hijrah. He said that these verses, which I recited, refers to two blows. When the first blowing occurs, every living being will die. The second blowing raises the dead. Then he recited the saying of Allah, وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ فَصُعِقَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ وَنُفِخَ فِيهِ أُخْرَى فَإِذَا هُمْ قِيَامٌ يَنْظُرُونَ And the trumpet will be blown. And all who are in the heavens and all who are on the earth will sworn away. Except him whom Allah wills. Then it will be blown a second time. And behold, they will be standing, looking on, waiting. The Prophet ﷺ said, People will become unconscious, meaning following the first blowing. And I will be the first to gain consciousness following the second blowing as it is in another narration to see Musa, Moses standing and holding a portion of Allah's arsh, of Allah's throne I will not know if he has gained consciousness before me or he has been amongst those whom Allah has exempted the exemption here as Ibn Taymiyyah, Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah said includes those in al-Jannah those in Al-Jannah, from Al-Hur Al-Ain, from the millions of Al-Jannah, because there is no death in Al-Jannah, in Paradise. It also includes others than those in Al-Jannah, but one cannot be certain of all that which Allah has exempted, because Allah generalized it in His book in the Quran. The Prophet ﷺ paused reading, or paused regarding whether Musa was included in Allah's exemption or not. 
the, uh, Ibn Taymiyyah is saying that the Prophet ﷺ paused regarding whether Musa, Musa was included in Allah's exemption or not. So if the Prophet ﷺ was not informed of all those exempted, then it is impossible for us to be certain about this matter. The knowledge about this issue is like the knowledge about the exact time of occurrence of the hour of the day of recompense and the names of the prophets and the like which Allah did not make known. Such knowledge is attained only by revealed news, meaning by the text reported in the Quran and authentic Sunnah, rahimahullah ta'ala, for his comments. Mujahid, the Mufassir, rahimahullah, said, the first blowing will cause the mountains and the earth to shake violently. The first blowing will cause the mountains and the earth to shake violently. Then, with Ar-Radifa, which is the second blowing, the heavens will split asunder, and the earth and the mountains shall be removed from their places and crushed with a single crushing. In other verses in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Most High, the one free of all imperfection, called the first blow as-sayha, called the first blow as-sayha, which is the shout, a terrifying and destructive single shout. Allah said, وَمَا يَنْظُرُونَ إِلَّا صَيْحَةً وَاحِدَةً تَأْخُذُهُمْ وَهُمْ يَخِصِّمُونَ فَلَا يَسْتَطِيعُونَ تَوْصِيَةً وَلَا إِلَىٰ أَهْلِهِمْ يَرْجِعُونَ وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ فَإِذَا هُمْ مِنَ الْأَجْدَاثِ إِلَىٰ رَبِّهِمْ يَنْسِلُونَ As in Surah Yaseen, which is chapter 36, verses 49-51, they await only a single shout, which will seize them while they are disputing. Then they will not be able to make backwists, nor they will return to their family. And the trumpet will be blown, that is the second blowing, and behold, from the graves they will come quickly to their Rabb, to Allah. The authentic ahadith, the narrations also indicate that the blowing and the trumpet occurs twice. In one hadith, the Prophet said, Between the two blowings of the trumpet, there will be forty. The people said, O Abu Hurairah, 40 days I refuse to reply he said they said 40 years I refuse to reply they said 40 months I refuse to reply and added everything of the human body will decay except the cossacks bone of the tail and from that bone Allah will reconstruct the whole body this is collected in Al-Bukhari and Al-Muslim Furthermore, the Prophet ﷺ used to stand up when a quarter of the night had passed away and say, O oh people, remember Allah, remember Allah. Ar-Rajifa, shaking of the earth following the first blowing, will soon come to pass, followed by Ar-Radifa, the second blowing of the trumpet. Death is approaching with what is therein, meaning from pains and so forth in it, death is coming with what is in therein. The angel of the trumpet is always on guard, ready to blow the first blowing. The Prophet ﷺ said in one hadith, 
the eye of the angel in charge of the trumpet had been alert since he was assigned to it gazing towards Al-Arsh, towards the throne lest he may be commanded to blow before he blinks his eyes are like two brilliant stars end of quote and this hadith is reported by Al-Hakim who said its narration is authentic and Al-Zahabi agreed to that Allah then describes how the hearts, sayings and anticipations of certain people on the day of the hour will be established saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying قُلُوبٌ يَوْمَئِذٍ وَاجِفَةٌ Some hearts that day will shake with fear and anxiety. السُدِّي An imam in tafsir, a knowledgeable scholar in the explanation of the Quran said, quote, The hearts of some people will reach the throats or their throats, that is because of fear, anxiety and shaking, like in the saying of Allah, وَأَنذِرْهُمْ يَوْمَ الْآزِفَةِ إِذُ الْقُلُوبُ لَدَى الْحَنَاجِرِ And warn them, O Muhammad وسلم, of the day that is drawing near, meaning the day of resurrection, when the hearts will be shocking the throats. And what about their sight? عَلَيْكُمْ السَّلَامُ رَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَبَرَكَاتُهُ عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَانِ And what about their sight? أَبْصَارُهُمْ خَاشِعَةً Verse number 9 of the surah. Cast down their sights will be their owner's eyes cast down will be their owner's eyes seeing the horrors of that day the eyes will be cast down and humbled by disgrace Ata ibn Rabah the imam and the scholar of Islam said it refers to the eyes of those who die in a religion other than Islam. Okay, let me answer this PM. He said it refers to the eyes of those who die in a religion other than Islam. The context of the verse that follows is a proof for this meaning, he said. Our Shaykh, Shaykh bin Uthaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, quote, The shaking hearts of the disbelievers will be extremely frightened. Their eyes are cast down with disgrace, unable to fix gaze with full strength because of the state of humiliation and shame they are in. We seek refuge in Allah from this state. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَتَرَاهُمْ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا خَاشِعِينَ مِنَ الذُّلِّ يَنْظُرُونَ مِنْ طَرَفٍ خَفِيٍ And when you see them brought forward to it to hell, made humble by disgrace and looking with stealthy glance the kuffar, the disbelievers in a tone of denial question the resurrection and they say 
يقولون أئنا لمردودون في الحافرة in verse 10 of the same surah we are explaining يقولون أئنا لمردودون في الحافرة in a tone of denial they say shall we indeed be returned to our former state of life are we going to walk and live again on earth after being dead in our graves this is like they're saying in another place in the Quran when Allah described them saying وَقَالُوا أَإِذَا كُنَّا عِظَامًا وَرُفَاتًا أَإِنَّا لَمَبْعُوثُونَ خَلْقًا جَدِيدًا and they said There are some questions on the PM. Uh, let me see if there are people are here. Yes. Ahla Samara, I will answer your question after I finish the tafsir, inshallah. Just, just bear with me. Okay. They will say, when we are bones and fragments, shall we really be raised up as a new creation? Even after we are crumbled bones. Then they say it would in that case be a return with loss. So their mode of mockery was, quote, if Muhammad is telling the truth, then we will eventually lose because of what will happen to us after death. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it very clear that when the appointed time of resurrection will occur, فَإِنَّمَا هِيَ زَجْرَةٌ وَاحِدَةٌ It will be a single cry or a single blowing. The command is from Allah for the angel in charge of the trumpet to blow the second blowing and all will come to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. His command is not repeated. وَمَا أَمْرُنَا إِلَّا كَلَمْحٍ بِالْبَصَرٍ And our commandment is but one as the twinkling of the eye. So don't think that it is improbable that Allah will bring the living from the dead Allah's commandment is said only once and nothing escapes him وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعْجِزَهُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ عَلِيمًا قَدِيرًا Allah is not such that anything in the heavens or in the earth escapes him. Verily he is all-knowing, all-omnipotent. Once his commandment to raise the dead is made, then behold, فَإِذَا هُمْ بِالسَّاهِرَةِ 
they find themselves over the earth alive after their death in the beginning of this surah as you remember and following the swearing that Allah made by the angels Allah establishes his ability to number one manage the souls of mankind and the affairs of the upper and lower universe secondly set the conditions of return to him on the day of resurrection thirdly establish the prophet, prophethood of Musa and its implications in relation to the message of Prophet Muhammad وسلم, as well as to those who reject the call to submit to Allah start this latter part in the form of a reminder saying to Muhammad now هل أتاك حديث موسى has there come to you the story of Musa of Moses there are great benefits in the story of Musa and of the other prophets and the messengers mentioned in the Quran لقد كان في قصصهم عبرة لأولي الألباب in their stories there is a lesson for men of understanding Allah says the story of the prophet Musa and his people covers a significant portion of the Quran if you read you'll be amazed everywhere you go is the story of Musa in fact it is mentioned more than other stories of the prophets because Musa was the messenger to the Jews and they were abundant in the city of Medina and in its surroundings this is what our Sheikh Rahimahullah said Sheikh Muhammad bin Uthaymeen Rahimahullah said that it is so because Musa was the messenger to the Jews and they were abundant in the city of Medina and in its surroundings the stories of the prophets are a source of comfort for the prophet وسلم, and those who follow his path the prophets suffered physically and verbally from their respective people they strove in the cause of Allah and never relented وَلَقَدْ كُذِّبَتْ رُسُلٌ مِّنْ قَبْلِكَ فَصَبَرُوا عَلَى مَا كُذِّبُوا وَأُوذُوا حَتَّى أَتَاهُمْ مَصْرُنَا وَلَا مُبَدِّلَ لِكَلِمَاتِ اللَّهِ وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكَ مِنْ نَبَأِ الْمُرْسَلِينَ As in chapter 6 verse 34 Verily many messengers were denied before you O Muhammad وسلم, But with patience they bore the denial And they were hurt Till our help reached them and none can alter the words, the decisions of Allah surely there has reached you the information, the news about the messengers before you and there is a vivid warning to those who deny the, prophet, the prophethood of Muhammad and that Allah will help him and make his message prevail Musa is one of the five messengers of steadfastness, of firmness he persevered and had a strong will in the cause of Allah and Allah gave him victory over the tyrant of Egypt, Pharaoh. The question now, when Allah says in this verse, has there come to you the story of Musa? Arouses the hearer's yearning rather to know his story. Eloquent style. The story, its subject and its place is then made known in the following verses. إِذْ نَادَاهُ رَبُّهُ بِالْوَادِ الْمُقَدَّسِ طُوَى when his Rabb Allah called him in the sacred valley of Tuwa. The valley lies below At-Tur, below the mount. It is said to be in Sina, between Egypt and Al-Madina. It is the place where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala called upon Musa. Allah reminds us about this. فَلَمَّا قَضَى مُوسَى الْأَجَلَاءِ 
طيب نكونتينيو ان شاء الله فلما قضى موسى الاجل وصار باهله then when Musa had fulfilled the term which is the term according to which the prophet Musa worked for the father of the girl uh, to be wed to him when he fled Egypt the marriage was linked to the completion of the agreement as we know from the Quran then when Musa had fulfilled the term and was traveling with his family and he after he got married to that girl he saw a fire in the direction of Attur in the mount of the mount and he said to his family wait I have seen a fire perhaps I may bring to you from there some information or a burning firebrand that you may warm yourselves so when he reached it the fire he was called from the right side of the valley in the blessed place from the tree O Musa verily I am Allah the Rabb of Al-Alameen the Lord of all creation the complete story of Allah's calling upon Musa by name is detailed in the beginning of Surah Taha which is chapter 20 in the Quran for you to, yani, to refer to Allah's signs in the stick and in Musa's hand etc. will also explain in the verses discussed now in Surah Al-Nazi'at and that in Surah Taha chapter 20 the method of da'wah to Allah is clearly explained Musa will go to meet the person who considered himself divine and told his people Pharaoh told his people وَقَالَ فِرْعَوْنُ يَا أَيُّهَا الْمَلَأُ مَا لَكُمْ مِنْ إِلَهٍ غَيْرِ Pharaoh said O oh chiefs I know not that you have an ilah a god other than me the command of Allah to Musa was اذهب إلى فرعون إنه طغى in this uh, in, in verse 17 of this surah now we are explaining اذهب إلى فرعون إنه طغى go to the Fir'aun verily has, he has transgressed all bounds in crimes and sins in shirk and disbelief when Musa heard this command he asked Allah to make his task easy and strengthen him to carry this task by assigning a helper from his family قال رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي واجعل لي وزيرا من أهلي هارون أخي أجدد به أزري وأشركه في أمري موسى سد أو ماي رب He said, O oh my Rabb, open for me my chest, meaning grant me self-confidence, contentment, contentment rather, and boldness, and ease my task for me, and make loose the knot which is the defect from my tongue, meaning remove the incorrectness from my speech. And that occurred as a result of a brand of fire which Prophet Musa put in his mouth when he was an infant as related in Tafsir al-Tabari and Allah knows best that they understand my speech and appoint for me a helper from my family Aaron, Harun, my brother increase my strength in him or with him and let him share my task on, of conveying Allah's message and prophethood Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded by saying قَالَ قَدْ أُوْتِيتَ سُؤْلَكَ يَا مُوسَى Allah responded, you are granted your request, O Musa. 
and thus both Musa and his brother Harun, Aaron, were ordered to go to call the Pharaoh to Allah. اذهب أنت وأخوك بآياتي ولا تنيا في ذكري. Go you and your brother with my ayat, with my proofs, evidences, verses, revelations, and do not either of you slacken and become weak in my remembrance. اذهب إلى فرعون إنه طغى. Go both of you to Pharaoh. Verily he has transgressed all bounds in disbelief and disobedience and behaved as arrogantly as a tyrant. Musa is keeping the good company of his brother. Believers are protectors and helpers of each other. They remind each other about being dutiful to Allah and enjoin what is right and forbid what is wrong. Believers advise each other and do not cover up the wrong done by anyone amongst them just because he belongs to my view, my party, my group. They admonish each other for the sake of Allah and give full pledge to Allah and to his deen. They penetrate the psychological barriers set by the groups and parties and unite with their brothers on what is right. They invite their brothers and sisters to adopt the correct beliefs and practices of the righteous predecessors. This constitutes the path of understanding and the application of deen as taught by our Prophet ﷺ and adopted by the Sahaba and their followers from the righteous predecessors. This path, this manhaj, methodology is distinct from the ways of scholastic theology and mysticism which introduce innovations in the concepts as well as ways of worship. The advice, they advise themselves as well as the ummah at large to stay away from bid'ah, from innovations, and to cooperate on what is right. When they do so, they are the ummah, and they are the jama'ah. The conveyance of Allah's message, even to a tyrant like Fir'aun, came in a good way. That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted. He said, فَقُولَا لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيِّنًا لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَّرُ أَوْ يَخْشَى And speak to him mildly. Perhaps he may accept admonition or fear Allah. Prophet Musa did not start ordering Pharaoh to submit. The speech came in the form of a request like this. In verse 18 of this surah, فَقُلْ هَلْ لَكَ إِلَىٰ أَنْ تَزَكَّى and say to him, would you purify yourself from the sin of disbelief by becoming a believer? A similar way of speech was said by the Prophet Ibrahim السلام, when he addressed his honored guests from the angels asking them to eat from the meal that he prepared for them. And he placed it, the roasted calf before them saying, will you not eat? Will you not eat? He didn't command them by saying, eat. Instead, he said, will you not eat? Musa told Pharaoh that he was a guide offering to show him the path that leads to Allah, the creator of Pharaoh and all that exists. And that I guide you to your Rabb Allah, so you should fear him. So if you come to know Allah, you will fear him. These two matters are related. The more you know of Allah and His names and attributes, the more you will fear Him. إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ الْعُلَمَاءِ 
It is only those who have knowledge among his slaves that fear Allah, as in Surah Fatir, chapter 35, verse 28. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah said, quote, basically the knowledge of Allah is of two kinds. Is of two kinds. First, knowledge with regard to himself, his noble and majestic qualities, and what is denoted by his best names. It is certain that if this kind of knowledge settles in the heart, <coughs> then it necessitates the fearing of Allah. Inevitably, such knowledge makes clear that Allah rewards on his obedience and punishes on his disobedience, as it is attested in the Quran and by observation. This is what is meant by the saying of Ibn Hayyan al-Taymi, one of the pious predecessors, he said, scholars are of three kinds. <coughs> scholars are of three kinds. This Ibn Hayyan died in the year 145 of Hijrah. Those who have knowledge of Allah but don't know about His commandments. Those who know about Allah's commandments but don't have knowledge of Allah. Second, the third, those who have knowledge of Allah and of His commandments. The scholar who has knowledge of Allah fears Him, and the one who knows about Allah's commandment is the one who knows the lawful and unlawful. The one who is knowledgeable of Allah and His commandments is the one who fears Allah and knows His sunnah, His sunnah, His ways, limits, and statutes. A man said to a shabi and a shabi is uh, is Amir bin Sharhabil, the Imam of his times, a great scholar of Islam, who was born during the Khilafah of Umar bin Khattab. He saw Ali bin Abi Talib and prayed behind him. He heard the hadith from the foremost of the Sahaba generation, like Abu Huraira, Abi Sa'id al-Khudari, Aisha ibn Umar, and others. May Allah be pleased with all of them. And he died in the year 105 of Hijrah. He said, A man said to him, O learned man, addressing a shabi by saying, O learned man, he, a shabi, said, The learned man is the one who fears Allah. Abdullah bin Mas'ud said, quote, Sufficient of knowledge is to have fear of Allah, and sufficient of ignorance is to be in delusion about Allah. Then Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah said, the second kind of knowledge pertaining to Allah is the knowledge about his sharia, his judicial legislation. This is evident, or this is evident in the comments which the Prophet wasallam made when some people wanted to avoid certain things that he wasallam declared permissible. The Prophet wasallam said, what has happened to the people that they avoid that for which permission has been granted to me by Allah I have the best knowledge of Allah amongst you and fear him most amongst you and in another narration he said by Allah I fear Allah most amongst you and I have the best knowledge of his statues Musa wants to make Fir'aun aware of what is good for him so he used the words Halaka, which means would you as if telling him as if telling him, it is you who needs the purification. I am only your guide.
people don't accept the claim made by someone that he is a messenger from Allah without clear proofs and evidences. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supported his messengers with signs, with proofs, with evidences, with lessons, with revelations, with miracles. So Musa alayhi salam was supported by one of Allah's signs, فَأَرَاهُ الْآيَةَ الْكُبْرَى Then Musa showed him the great sign. This came after Prophet Musa invited him to submit to Allah and answered his questions, which are detailed in other parts of the Quran. The Pharaoh demanded that in kunta bi'ayatin If you have come, O Musa, with a sign, show it forth if you are one of those who tell the truth. So, so Musa showed him the great sign. And the people of tafsir, of explanation of the Quran said, it is the sign of the stick or that of Musa's hand or both. As they said that it may also be this, the nine signs mentioned in, uh, in Surah Al-Isra, chapter 17, verse 101, when Allah says, And indeed we gave to Musa nine clear signs. What is it about Musa, alayhi salam, hand as a sign? Naam, طيب. And indeed we have, we gave to Musa nine clear signs. Ask then the children of Israel when he came to them. Then Pharaoh said to him, O Musa, I think you are indeed bewitched. Did Pharaoh benefit from the signs? No, he did not have any tendency to acknowledge the signs. And here it is worth remembering that at the time of Prophet Isa salam, Prophet Isa now, Jesus, people were good in medicine. Allah the Almighty gave Jesus, gave Isa the ability to cure people by wiping his hand on them. Not only that, but he was able by Allah's leave to bring life to the dead by speaking to them. He used to stand by the grave and call upon the buried person in it, and behold, the person rose up alive, and by Allah's permission and will. There is no medicine that can stand to faith such miracles. That's why the miracles given to Isa, to Jesus, were suitable to the attitude of people at his time. In the time of Prophet Musa, however, magic was widespread. That is one reason why Allah Azza wa Jal gave Musa some miracles, the effects of which looked like magic in order to defeat the magician and hence the arguments of those who supported them. The pagan Arabs, on the other hand, were proud of their eloquence and fluency in the Arabic language. They considered eloquent speech to be the greatest quality of a person. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came with Allah's revelation, the Qur'an, as a challenge to the masters of the Arabic language and speech. All praise is due to Allah. These comments were from our Shaykh Muhammad bin Salih al-Uthaymeen, rahimahullah, in uh, held 
at, uh, in discussions at his house in uh, a very beneficial uh, meeting that used to be held every Thursday at his own home. Um, it's called Al-Bab Al-Maftuh, the, the open door. And now, alhamdulillah, all of these uh, discussions are published and printed. Rahimahullah. طيب uh, inshallah now uh, we can stop here at this point and we can continue inshallah as uh, then from the moment that Fir'aun did he benefit from the signs he didn't because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about him فَكَذَّبَ وَعَصَى he denied them and disobeyed we continue inshallah the discussion regarding this inshallah tomorrow so uh, we stop here now uh, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make all that has been said acceptable to him and to forgive me for any mistake that I have may have committed. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu ala Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi.